Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Heard around the world on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue and Joe Grande. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have a very, very special guest stepping up to the plate. He has uh, been conducting some serious battles out there, and he will be moderated by the incredible... Chancellor of Oaksterdam, Dale Sky Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up to the CEO of Catalyst Cannabis Company and the Chancellor of Oaksterdam University, Elliot Lewis. All right, so Elliot, I understand that you have been doing this for a while, so I imagine that you have an elevator speech that you share when you walk up to have a conversation with an elected official. So I'd like for you to give this fine crowd an example of how you introduce yourself, your brand, and your choice of business when you're meeting an elected. Well, I mean, it depends on the terms that we're meeting them in. I would say, you know, my first rule of politics is you either want real friends or you want people to fear you. Lukewarm friends in politics has done nothing but get me in trouble, right? Because they're gonna stab you in the back. So if you're my friend, I'm your friend, I'll do whatever you want for your district or whatever else. If you're gonna stab me in the back, I don't trust you, I'd rather just go all fear. To me, that's a good way to do the relationship. As far as like we're gonna open up a new city, I like to bring them to the facilities, show them what we're going to do, tell them about our community outreach. You know, and sometimes people like to look at my online pers- uh, 
persona and they get a little worried at first, uh, the political figures, but once they see what we're doing, that we have good paying jobs, the Catalyst Cares things we do is real shit, um, and then we're redeveloping areas. We're using cannabis as an economic engine, uh, whether it be downtown in Long Beach, we're kicking off some new stuff in uh, Pomona and creating culture. So I think once they come, they go through the stores, they get to know us, see that we know what we're talking about on policy, they get a lot more comfortable. That's a damn good answer, yeah. What, I can't hear you? Yeah, that was a good answer. Hell yeah. So I want to know what bad guy looks like. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'll say anything. Or, or, but like the free speech part of it is easy. The hard part is the political action, right? So, you know, we went to a meeting in Redondo Beach. My attorney was present and they fucking disrespected him. We called it the Red Wedding. So what did we do? We looked the guy up. We did the opposition research. Turns out he's a cannabis attorney and he likes to steal from his clients. Allegedly, the case is still pending. Uh, anyway, we recalled him. So now everybody knows he's up for recall that we will make that move. The cities that aren't passing cannabis, we go out, we get the signatures, we put them on a ballot. 70% of their constituency wants it. They don't want to pass the law because they're unevolved baby boomers uh, hanging out at swanky fucking cocktail parties and they, they're tone deaf to what's going on. So now they know if we circulate an initiative, they best negotiate so they can keep their local control. So I think it's the action that, that speaks. And if I'm in a tax reduction, uh, discussion and I say to somebody I'm going to recall every last motherfucker in your caucus until you're in a minority that carries weight because we actually have done it and continue to do it. That is it. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's a damn good answer. And this is something we've been talking about for years. You're trying to change hearts and minds. You're bringing them in. You're showing them around. You're introducing yourself, your team, your location. You're welcoming them in. If you can't change their hearts and minds, then you either get them promoted or you get them fucking fired. Yeah, and look, the, the, the thing is, it's a, why do grassroots movements always win? The majority of the people support in almost every single city in uh, you know Southern California, Northern California, you name it, they support cannabis. So it's an easy win, right? As long as you're out there committed to the cause and putting in action. And look, you should see, and I said this earlier, you should see what the good guys look like, right? Yeah, they're well-dressed and yeah, they come off nice and yeah, they don't say fucking shit and suck my dick or whatever, but they're fucking evil, bad, narcissistic and power hungry people that don't want to uplift the community. But those are the good guys. So at some point, and cannabis is really just a symptom, right? This is our industry. These are our people. These who we are, this is who we fight for. But it's just really government greed. Them taking our fucking money, giving it to their friends so their friends could keep them in power. So we don't have enough power at the state to really effectuate major change. But locally, in small elections, I'll break out the fucking Catalyst Army. We'll move a motherfucker 20, 30 points. And we'll do the work. All politics is local, isn't it, my friend? Very true. And you do have to show up and you do have to play nice and mean business. Because if they don't fear you, they know, especially this industry, often called a mile wide and an inch deep, they know that you come in, you line their pockets, and there's 12 more right behind them that's going to disagree with you, in fact, stab you in the back half the time, as they're paying them to do something different than what you just paid that same lobbyist to ask them to do. So this just world, it's just people getting richer and you working harder. So 
I want to switch gears real quick because I met your lovely, beautiful, amazing wife. Yes. Give her a shout out right there. Can I? Would you like to introduce us to your beautiful That's wife? Anna, Canna Anna, AKA Canna Anna. My heart. And it does take that support network. So tell me how you do what you do with this kind of fortitude. I, it definitely takes support and, and like, I, I will say this, there's like this kind of hunger, this burning thing that's inside that once I get into the competition, I just, I have to win, right? There's just no other way. You just need to exert your will. You know, we had Mamba Day on Wednesday and that's what Kobe would say, you know, catalyst, we want to have that Mamba mentality. You want to get motherfuckers to reconsider their life choices. It is a big sacrifice for my wife. I, you know, during the recall, it looked like all was lost. I won't give the long version of the story, but I had to hit the streets myself, rally the troops. I was out there 20 to 21 days, every night, every weekend. So balancing that with your family, making sure you get that time in, and then you know taking the weekend trip uh, with your wife, making sure uh, that she still likes me. I normally know by like 8 p.m. if I don't get the fuck out of the office, my phone's gonna start ringing. So it's a, it's, it's a balance, but she's always there. She's ride or die. And for being honest and open, we had an argument yesterday uh, when, we, when I started talking about how I'm gonna kill this motherfucker in Redondo. And she's like, oh, you're not gonna be home. You're gonna be gone the whole time. And I was like, you know what's more crazy? Mediocrity. And I didn't sign up for a life of mediocrity and just believe in the vision and where we're going. So it's definitely a, a balance, right? And we work it out. We have battles. I don't claim to, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. It takes so, a woman like that to love a man like this, ladies and gentlemen. And well, I, right I, back at her. Well, I, I see it. It's beautiful. I, I do think part of the key, you know, is we do this together, right? So. Now I'm like, yo, the Redondo Beach headquarters on the beach. Bring the kids down there. Come to the beach. And we're out here at the event today get together. We're at another thing. So as long as we're riding together, then we get to spend time together. And it's super important to keep things, uh, you know, good between us. Yeah, I got to shout out Mr. Jones right about now. Yeah, where it's yes, indeed. Because <laughs> there is no way I could do what I do without Jeff Jones. So it does. It takes a team. And it takes sacrifice. And it takes them telling you, get your ass home. Get some sleep. Get some food. Because that's team you that we were talking about earlier. You got to have someone that's looking out for you. Someone to just grab you by the scruff of the neck and say, you can't kill that motherfucker, but you can tell me all about it, honey. I love you. Let's go to bed now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and my wife does have this. She has this very, I, I've learned not to be as trusting uh, as I've gotten older, but my wife has this very good uh, spidey sense on people. So there's been a lot that she's pointed out ahead of time. And then like my dumb ass was like, no, it's cool. And then next thing I know it's an I told you so. So like, it, you know, even though, she, it, even though she's more the introvert, obviously, and I'm out here speaking, don't think she ain't running game from behind the scenes and bossing me around, right? If you were in the car ride over here, you saw her fucking telling me what to do all the way, all Giving the way down Giving you a taste of the back yeah, of her yeah, hand, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. No, it yeah. sounds like you and Jeff will get along really well. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta do it. So what would you recommend to these fine people? You know, I never thought, like I was just cruising along in life. I barely knew who my city council person was and you know, who the, you know, I maybe knew who my mayor was. Now I know every fucking city council member, almost in every city, who we want to take out, what it is. And it just started with one action, which led to another action. And I think I heard you say it on the previous panel, which is super true. Like, we fucked a lot of shit up. We made a lot of mistakes. We've been beat, right? Um, and that feeling is just the worst feeling in the world, losing, I hate it. But from that, 
you keep going and you learn. So, you know, my advice would be, you know, I'm not big into giving advice. Everybody's got to go their own way. Just take an action. And that action will lead to another action. And then, you know, the mentality that I try to pass down from Catalyst on down is, we're the hardest bastards in the fucking game. We might be outfunded, you know, we might be outgunned, the government might be oppressing us, but we keep advancing. And it's not how hard you can get hit or how hard you hit, it's how hard you could get hit um, and keep advancing. The still line from Rocky Five. But nonetheless, I do think this industry's come down to how much pain and how much suffering are you willing to endure and keep walking forward. So, so just keep doing it when you don't want to do it you don't always have to feel motivated but get up get out of bed put one foot in front of the other and show up thank you give it up to elliot thank you everyone amazing conversation my friend thank you oh thank you and one more for our amazing partners whoever if they're with you turn to them right now and just say thank you i love you text your mom text your partner we could not do this without you thank you so much adelanto thank you cannabis talk 101 Ladies and gentlemen, Elliot Lewis, Dale Sky Jones. One more time for that. All right, no one run away. We have an incredible panel of the world's most incredible, most experienced, and ready to give you some incredible information on cultivation. So we've got an incredible panel. All my cultivator panels, come on up. We'll be right back with Cannabis Talk 101. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. We have an incredible growers panel about to start. We are looking at close, if not over a century of cannabis experience. About to hit this stage, folks. This is historic. Your moderator for this panel, 20-year cultivation expert, Evian Ita. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Evian. Thank you. Thanks, Freddie. Appreciate that. Um, my name is Evian Ita. I've been in the cannabis industry, the regulated market, for seven years, but I've been touching plants for about 19 years now. So my expertise is mainly around cultivation, but I also am very well uh, versed in the overall legal market. I also have done a lot of work in the hemp industry and I teach horticulture at Oaksterdam University and I work with the Breeders Best team with Dale Hunt and Plant and Planet and Hendrix Nursery. And I'm blessed to also work with the Ethical Data Alliance is a nonprofit that we have with Ed Rosenval which is we do a lot of work with blockchain technology and supply chain traceability for the cannabis industry. So without further ado, I would like to introduce our other wonderful panelists. So we have, um, we have, you know what, I think I'm just gonna let you guys introduce yourselves because we had a little bit of a change up here at the last minute. So I would like to introduce Daniel Hendricks from Hendricks Nursery, and you can just give a little intro for yourself, Daniel. Yep, I'm, I'm Daniel Hendricks. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Hendricks Farms, and we're the most trusted cannabis genetics source on the planet. So we were, we've been doing business since the launch of the legacy industry and well into what we call now the legal industry. You can come to us, whether you're Doc Ray and you've got a 17 million dollar valuation on your genetics or if you have a child with autism uh, and you need something that you can trust uh, to put in the hands of your loved ones so that's what it means to be uh, a trusted cannabis nursery we do business to business we make sure that home patients get what they need and uh, get true to type genetics for absolutely every purpose under the sun awesome yeah daniel is uh if I was going to send somebody to a nursery in California, I would 100% be sending them to Hendrix. I feel like it's something I can trust across the board, and I would probably be recommending some of Doc's, people pick up some of Doc's genetics. So Doc, I mean, I don't know what to say. To be able to sit here with Doc, who's such a legend, and been in the industry for over 50 years, I look up to Doc so much, and I feel like when people say, like, on the backs of giants in the cannabis industry, they're talking about people like Doc. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you, Doc, and I thank you for being here. Can you give a little uh, intro? Oh, uh, I'm doing all right. Is this thing on? I can't hear. There we go. All right. I can hear myself in the reverb there. I'm doing good, sis. You know, I'm so tickled that it's you. 
And I get it, man. I'm good at what I do, but you're a badass at what you do too, ma'am. So I consider you one of the best breeders in the world as well, sister. So thanks, Doc. Cool. That means a lot coming yes, from ma'am. you. So it's cool to be in Adelanto, hanging out with everybody today, and having this growers conversation about how we're moving in the industry. I think it's part of what you asked me about. So I know we had a little bit of a shift, and I don't know my brother next to you, but I want to find out who the hell he is too, so we can move forward. Right, so I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself. All right, I, my name's Steven Perez. So I'm a local cultivator here for White Angel Farms. Um, I'm the lead cultivator. I don't, I don't like the word master grower because I think it's important to be always learning. I think anybody that's not still learning something is maybe not paying enough attention. And uh, I, I don't hold a candle to what these guys here, but it's happy to be sitting up here with you guys. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and I feel like having somebody local on the panel and somebody that's coming from a different angle in the industry is really important. So I'm excited to talk to you guys a little bit. You know, it's kind of a rough moment in the industry, and I want to really keep it positive today because I feel like we're looking towards the future. And today I'd like to take a little bit of a moment and maybe we could just do a little lightning round of like, what was our biggest fail? So. I feel like it's a good place to start because we learned so much in the industry and there's so many people right now that are really struggling and failing. And I really feel that it's important for us. I know my biggest lessons have come from my biggest failures. So I'd like to just do a quick like a sentence or two, you know, tell a little story and tell you, tell, tell us how you learned from the mistakes that you made or the biggest fail. So Daniel, do you want to go ahead and start with that? Okay, yeah. I, I, I consider this my biggest failure because as a nurseryman, it's all about preservation and maintaining plants to share with everyone. And what really made... Oh yeah, we got some reggae going in the background. Uh, what really got me motivated to get into cannabis genetics, period, was Granddaddy Purple. Um, I had Granddaddy Purple for... Are we really gonna do this? Yeah. Uh, I had Granddaddy Purple in my library for decades. I kept it going. I sold Granddaddy Purple throughout all the decades of the legacy industry. It made me and a lot of my friends and a lot of your friends money and happy. It was one of the staples of the industry. And when the trend started to shift, people started growing OG Kush. Eventually, cookies came along and at some point, I let Granddaddy go. We weren't taking care of it. We, did, we no longer preserved it, and now I don't have Granddaddy Purple in my library. It absolutely made me everything that I am and inspired me to be a cannabis nurseryman to begin with was like my failure to preserve that plant that was everything to me for decades. So biggest failure was definitely the clue to what I needed to do with the rest of my opportunities. Okay, shout out to anybody who's lost their favorite cut, because I know y'all out there, I know I've lost a lot of cuts over the years, and I'm like, why did we get rid of that one winner, you know? And so it's really, it's a big deal. Doc, how about we'll just pass to you? I know you've got a few in your back pocket. Oh, I failed more than anybody on the stage is the biggest difference. You know, you just keep getting up and going over again. You know, okay, huge failures you know being incarcerated over 21 grams when it's considered a freaking misdemeanor a personal consumption now what what is that okay i was just born at the wrong fucking time okay i consider it a huge fail because it affected my first grown children 
you know, that were taken away from me during Nancy, Nancy Reagan screaming, just say no. More recently, I was just ripped off by some buddies that I thought were my brothers, you know, and what we were talking about earlier, they just took, you know, a, a couple knuckleheads got my genetics, man, and I'm in crisis mode literally right now over it. So I'm dealing with stuff in my business as well. You know, what do you do? You get up and you keep going, man. You know, you, you don't stop. You pit dust yourself off. The benefit from it, I, what I lost, I let it go. I got through being angry and pissed. It didn't damage to me personally. I walked away from it, but now all of a sudden I've got this cool opportunity with a new manufacturer crossing, taking a lot of load off of me. My relationship with Dan shifted and we're changing the dynamics of what we're doing is changing. And, the, and, I, and we're, he ain't coming across it. We're literally talking about three years from now. I, here's the truth of it. I'm so far ahead of the curve on my pre-roll that I just released. We're three to five years ahead of everybody, man. So we don't, we look at it as being trendsetters, man. So we're getting kicked in the teeth all the time. You know, I've lost so many genetics. I've worked on so many things for so long and worked with different groups of people over so many years, especially in Mendocino back in the 70s and 80s when it was hella outlaw and we were risking life and limb and then we couldn't put our names on stuff and then all of a sudden in the last 20 years, anything that attached to all this new stuff. I assure you, man, if you got blueberry muffin, man, half the razzleberries me. Okay, or our family, and we can't even, we couldn't even lay claim to that. Okay, so that's what's happening. And he's laughing because he can go, yeah, he's right, the old man ain't lying. Okay, that's just the truth of this. Here's the thing that breaks my heart the people that are my mentors that are dead and fucking gone, man, that you had this group of cool brothers and sisters out here that want to know aren't going to get to see. That breaks my heart too. But what I love, is you, man, baby, because you keeping the torch. And I know when I'm dusting a jar, he's still going to be going, okay? Because this is the beautiful part of it. That's the benefit of all the pain, all the suffering, all the loss that we all collectively endure. At least that's how I look at this. Right now is a tough time. If you're in this game, ladies and gentlemen, you're in it because you love it because it sure as hell ain't about money anymore. Wow. Okay, Doc, you just brought around some really great points. No, I, I love it. That's actually a great tangent because it really brings it home on a few different levels that like historically we weren't able to speak to the genetics. The breeders weren't able to really be public. And there's so many breeders in our community that their work has really been the foundational work for where we're headed now. And this kind of leads me into the next question. You said a couple things that really, you know, with the trend setting, you know, how do, how do we predict trends? And I was thinking about with Hendrix Nursery and how do you guys foresee, because the market, and they're so volatile with what's happening in the market right now. And I feel like, you know, we have to look into the future. Like right now, everybody wants purple and gassy and people are looking at the old school OGs again. And so how are we, how as a nursery are you able to look into the future with your crystal ball and, and you know, future-proof your nursery and then future-proof your clients? How do you figure out, like, what's the next genetics you're going to bring on? Yeah, that's, honestly, that's the entire magic of, like, what our business is based off of, right? We, we want to drive the trends, and that was the whole point of Hendrix Nursery is we're not going to follow trends, we're going to drive those trends. And you have to look at what everybody is doing 
and then you have to push back against that. So you know you hear the, the the buying trends is only purple gas. You only want purple gas. You know the spice of life is variety, and so if everybody is trending towards purple gas, you need to stick to your guns and start to move in another direction. You know you can't ignore the trends. We know that potency pushes the market. We know purple pushes the market, but you want to try to inspire yourself. And so you know, four years ago when the Gelinade was an unknown clone. We saw the purple, we saw the gas, and we saw this unique limonene terpene that was unlike anything else in the market. And we curated it up, you know, over the course of four years, slowly building the market to educate people that they don't have to follow the one trend. I think that everybody who's in the industry right now has definitely looked to what the trend is and what's the hot clone they need to acquire. And I think that everyone right now can see that that is not a recipe for success, and that you want to try to develop your own lane. Uh, so yeah, develop your own lane, have courage, and and be a fan of what you're producing. And if you're a true fan of what you're producing, then the business is going to follow because if you have integrity and you choose products that you enjoy, then you're going to be a person that can inspire, and, and you're going to have other people following you. That was a great answer. That's pretty much exactly what I was, you know, you bring me back to the fact that the consumers are ultimately the ones that are missing out with like these hype trends and like what's trending, um, you know, purple and gassy or everybody's pushing towards OGs again. Ultimately, it's the consumers that miss out, right? Like because they're not getting the whole taste the rainbow experience, and so I feel like the diversity, like no other no other plant in nature offers so much diversity, and you can have all of these incredible flavor profiles, and you can have this relative chemo diversity. And so I'm curious, you know, each of you, how you kind of I would love to hear from Steve and from uh, from Doc. How do you guys predict trends upcoming or what you want to bring in? What, what kind of trend making or trend setting are you pushing with your cultivar selection and what you're putting into production? A, a lot of it, you know, okay, so we, Hendrix and DRG work together, you know, so we're always talking this conversation. I think a lot of like what where I've stayed at is I've stayed true to my lane, what I wanted to do with the genetics I was working with. A lot of what I've created is for my own enjoyment. Same thing with Dan, what he's working with stuff that is it, it's his pushes his buttons. I don't know if there's a better group collectively in our neighborhood of the people that he sits with that I sit with at the same table when we're evaluating genetics. We're talking about centuries of experience with this plant. We can't sway it, but we've stayed true to what we're doing. And now like purple, frosty, and gassy starting to go, not down, but it's picking its own path. And I've had more requests in the last year of old school genetics. Man, will you bring this back? Or you guys bring that back? That's kind of where I think we're seeing this divide in the road right now. Did I answer that right? I, I love that. Yeah, I've actually, I wanted to have a campaign that was like, make weed green again, because I feel like we've just had like such a, it's just been this crazy purple trend for the past couple of years. What about you, Steve? Do you have uh, some, you know, how do you make your decisions with what you run in, in your lineup? You know, we have had to try to run some colorful things to, because of market demand, but I've always just try to stick with the things that I really love or that's proven their self over time. More like what these guys are saying. Uh, 
I think chasing trends too carefully is a big mistake. That's how you lose your granddaddy purple or that's how you lose the strains that every, a lot of people has lost their favorite strain because they chose another one that had more demand. And I think it's smart to pick something that everybody loves and like he's saying, try to create your brand with it or you know, people will follow along with it. If it's really good tasting and good effect, something that everybody likes, then you should just run with it. And if it's checking all the boxes. I, I like that answer. I think it's, I think going with what you love is kind of the consensus I'm hearing here. And I, I feel like that's what set me apart when, um, you know, I was with Ebb and Flow for about seven years and we won, I think, 11 cups in the time that I was there. And we really tried to push that selling what, growing and selling what we believed in as the, as the genetics and and the issue that we started to come across is that our cut would always be slightly different than other people's cuts because we would do a lot of selection ourselves. And so when you get into that, it kind of gets into the issue of, of provenance with the genetics. And so we all know that you can go into a dispensary like everybody here could walk into a different dispensary and they're going to tell you that wedding cake is wedding cake. But ultimately, you don't know and nobody actually knows unless you have some sort of authentication from the breeder, from the nursery, and there really is no tracking of that at this point. So it kind of leads me to the next question is like, how do you guys feel that we can utilize technology? And I'm curious what you guys do at the nursery. Like, how do you prove the provenance that the genetics that you have in your lineup are actually what you say they are. Yeah, I mean, for initially, it was the genetics companies. Our, our first years out there, we were a huge promoter of using genetics companies to sequence your varieties and help validate what it was. And, uh, you know, I, we can say the evil, you know, company's name now because they don't. Phylos did a great job. Honestly, they open sourced a ton of genetics. You were able to put the name on it that you identified with it, and it helped group consensus create validation behind our OG Kush, behind our Gelato, behind our Gorilla Glue number four and our CBD at the time. It was clear from the 72 other OG Kush submissions that our OG Kush was OG Kush. And we found that maybe SFV OG Kush or True OG Kush or Mendocino OG Kush, or Skywalker OG Kush, was actually an identical clone of the what we considered true OG Kush. So for me, I still believe in genetic testing. We have to find the right ethical partners, and I think we need to take that power, that power away from the privatized organizations and pull that towards us as farmers, as producers, as consumers. You know, there are a million different validations out there for any other kind of agricultural crop. And that's to become a cultivar that's driven by the people and by the industry. And we don't, we can drive that industry and make those choices ourselves. So I, I'm still a huge fan of DNA sequencing. Um, I just seen to see that we've seen the wrong actors so far showcase it. Yeah, I know that we've been working for the past couple years to try to um, be able to show provenance, to be able to show Doc Ray's genetics are exactly what they say they are. So like comes with breeder authentication when it's coming through to the nursery. And I, I personally believe that blockchain technology and a decentralized platform paired with genetic testing is going to be the keys to the gateway that are going to give us the ability to actually 
you know, prove what what dog has dog bred a seed. There was a selection that went to the nursery, and um, then you know it could go to your farm. So I really love the the way that we could do this, and and that kind of leads me to my next question. So. Doc, you're one of the only cultivators I know that actually has really solid IP protection for the genetics that you've bred. And, you know, I know it's not a perfect science. We're still working it out. We're working out the details. And I think that personally, I believe that licensing of true genetics to people is going to be part of how the future of the cannabis industry is shaped through technology, through the utilization of you know, quality IP protection. So could you speak a little bit about your uh, your genetics and their IP protection? Sure. Um, okay, so I've been doing this for a really long time, and I got out of the game, and when I started looking at entertaining the thought, I was stupid enough to want to get in legal cannabis seven years ago. I already had been Crazy. ripped right. I'd Crazy. Already been ripped what were you off. thinking? Yeah, you know, we'd all been ripped off for all the things we'd worked on. There's no way in hell. It takes too damn long. You know, I've got decade, 16 years in my blue skunk, you know. And, and then, it, anyway, I don't want to get too far off the point. My point is, is breeders, if, we're, if we do what we do, you know, Dan's got years and years in each one that he works with. And, you know, when, we, when we're working with him, we have so much time involved. I was looking at all of the, how do I protect myself, right? That's what got me on the path of working with Breeders Best and Dell being my guy and all that kind of jazz was, I didn't see a viable way to protect yourself as a breeder other than this, because that's already, what, okay, this is agriculture, ladies and gentlemen, that's where it's going, okay, that's what people that do heirloom roses do and do, you know, wine grapes and all these different things that have these niche genetics to them that are attached to them that create a premium price point. This is the only way I saw to keep the value up on what I had worked so hard on. I thought everybody was doing what I was doing. Nobody really is. That was news to me until a year or so ago when, when Hunt said, down in San Diego, yeah, oh man, it's just you. You know, and there's other people doing it now because the Breeders' Best family has expanded more and we've added more independent breeders into that. You know, I like what we're talking about with using blockchain and data, adding all the DNA from using the different people that we're talking to and all that kind of jazz. But I think right now, my path was a only thing I knew how to do at the time. It was a real difficult, labor-intensive. I got years and freaking writing little notes and stuff on every fucking one of them and mountains of data and photographs and all that kind of jazz. I believe my way is the only way really, honestly, I don't, I'm hoping that blockchain, what we're talking about, and DNA is the answer. Because I've seen what big agriculture has done to a 99 cent a pound crop sister what the hell are they going to do to even 300 dollars a pound crop that's very interesting because i was looking for a comparison to the cannabis market in other agricultural crops and considering now that cannabis is it's like the fifth most valuable crop in the united states at this point and that's not including like the more illicit market that's like the regulated market and so we really are coming to a place with um 
we're coming to a place where we're really embracing more traditional agriculture concepts. You know, even the concept of they patent plants, uh, they've patented blueberries for ages. If you don't want to have it stolen, I mean, here's the truth yeah. of it. If I don't do this, somebody's going to lay claim to my genetics. They're going to make millions and millions, of, if not billions of dollars off of it off the next 30 freaking 50 years, 100 years. Look at all the cultivators and breeders that created all the really cool. Now, how many, is DJ Short ever gotten paid for blueberry on any magnitude of how it affects all the genetics around the world, ladies and gentlemen? All the hybrid genetics, all the cornerstone emerald triangle stuff has blueberry as one of the cornerstones. DJ never got, you know, what he bought seeds for. That's my point. You know, my mentor, you know, the, the guy that built Razzleberry Kush has been dead for 12 years. Nobody knows who the fuck Dave Cooper is. You know, well, that's like why we need anyway, to tell the man. stories now of where we got to with the genetics. I think storytelling, and why, that's part like of why Dan's I like blockchain technology as a potential solution, because I think that, you know, it's a storytelling application, essentially. And I think that there's a way that we can start to pull these things together, like we can protect the breeders All in our it. space, we can help the nurseries, and we can help the cultivators. You know, one of the, a couple of the biggest issues I see in my consulting practice, I, I have like a list of the most commonly asked questions. And one of the most commonly asked question is like, you know, making sure that your genetics are coming from a clean source also, because with that like hype cut thing, everybody wants that new cut. We're definitely spreading pathogens through the industry. And we were going to have Jeff from, um, Jeff Jones from Oaksterdam was going to join us today. And I really had some questions for him because we do a lot of work with Oaksterdam University around making sure that you know we're sharing open source information for the cannabis cultivation community for best practices you know and then and there's a fine line between what's intellectual property um, you know that's going to make your business successful or your business successful and then also the commonwealth of the community and how we can educate and i think that right now is a very important time for us to start to educate around pathogens and diseases and if we're bringing in genetics from just unbeknownst non-third party certified that's a quick way to bring in something like hop latent viroid into your facility so I'm curious, um, you know, the, the other question I get asked a lot also is around yield. So, you know, if you guys want to speak a little bit about best practices for your facility, you know, and the things that you feel set you apart. So, Steve, would you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how you kind of keep pests, pathogens, and help, uh, you know, maybe just a little on that. We'll be right back with Cannabis Talk 101. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. Uh, so as far as the hop viroid, like your hop latent viroid, certainly going around like crazy right now. One of the reasons I don't like to chase after the hype cuts, it seems like you're probably going to get it or is probably carrying it and have to be extra careful with all our cloning practices and everything lately. And when it comes to any new plant, it's got to, you miss the hype train because you got to run one or two of them to make sure it does good, it's going to yield good, doesn't start looking sick halfway through and branches falling off if you haven't tested it. And uh, so that's a big part of it, just trying to stay diligent with that. Um, and what was the other subject? I'm sorry. I'm... Um, well, actually, I want to hear APM what these practices. don't. Yeah, well, I okay. think we'll circle back to that. What about you, Daniel? Do you have, um, you know, do you guys do third-party certification testing for hoplite and viroid with your... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I have seen shockingly very few times when doing the tours, and I've seen every type of facility across the entire state in every region big and small, you never see the simplest stage, which is just quarantine. Okay, you get the new hype cut from somewhere and they immediately take it into their nursery with all of their other valuable stock. And oh, the guy got it from tissue culture or you know, they take word of mouth. It's, it's absolutely the wrong decision. You have to isolate and test. And it's so simple, you know, I, I, at, and cheap. It's like not expensive. That's the thing that's like surprises me where I go to facilities too and I'm like, really? Like you, it's not even expensive. You just don't want to take the time to do it. It's the exact same technology that we use to COVID test. It's rapid PCR identification. You take a little sample and it can tell you in a matter of minutes, you know, whether or not you have hops latent viroid present. And in our case, what we do is we bring in single plants. We're not, if you've got 10 clones of the prize clone. We don't want them. We just want one. We're going to bring that one clone up. We're going to get it to a size where it's testable, which is ideally young. We're going to take petioles from all over the plant, high, low, inside, and then we're going to homogenize that to get the best result. And if there's one indication, you know, of hops latent viroid, if that's what comes back from our third-party lab, because we don't use our own lab, we don't use our own internal practices, we, use, we rely on an external lab. If there's any indication that there's hops latent viroid, the plant is gone. We're not going to use it. There's zero chance it's going to make it into our nursery. 
And, and that's stage one. You know, I recommend after it even enters your nursery, before you go up into what is like your commercial production, if it's 100 clones, if it's 15 clones, if it's 15,000 clones, test again from your already clean, verified mother stock because that's what the hops latent part of hops latent viroid is, is that the viroid is latent and won't express itself necessarily until later on. So yeah, quarantine and testing, it's, it's really not that complicated. You can use a tent, a grow tent. That was a great answer. And I feel like it's such a pivotal, important time for the cannabis community to kind of rally around and recognize that we are an agricultural crop. We are going to be faced with more pests and diseases over the coming years. And the more that we can share that information amongst ourselves, um, you know, and amongst the community is really, really important for us. And I think that, you know, we're going to see other things. They're on the horizon. And I don't like to think negatively. I think it's more of a preventative that we can start to learn and look towards the future of the best practices and working with trusted partners, I think is a really, really big deal. I've realized for me, it's like, I don't, if you're not gonna do everything internally yourself with production, finding a trusted nursery partner is key. And on that note, you know, I'd be curious the thoughts on, you know, I see the future of, there's a lot of talk around tissue culture and how I think it holds a very important place in the cannabis industry. But I also realize that as far as legal cultivation goes, it's only about 2% of the plants are grown right now are coming from tissue culture. And for those of you that aren't familiar, you know, there's a few different forms of propagation and TC is a great way, like Meristem tissue culture is a great way to clean plants from pathogens. It's a great way to store plants. And there's also, I see maybe a couple issues with the lag time in the early weeks of nursery. So I see where it has a place in the industry, but I'm very curious what your thoughts are on the future, like all of you, what the thoughts are on like tissue culture, clonal propagation, and then also where seeds fit in for the future of the industry. Because we're talking about genetics, you know, we have micropropagation and we have these other techniques, but I do really, I'm a, I, I love seeds. I mean, that's like, for me, I have a passion for seeds. I love selection. And I feel like in the future, they're going to have a, a deep place in the industry, but it's specific targeted. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on tissue culture, seeds, and clonal propagation in the future. Yes to all of the above, Mr. Hendricks, on some level. I mean, we're doing it all, honestly. I mean, you, okay, I'll back up a little bit. You pick up, who's my source? Hendricks Farms. Why? Because Hendricks Farms the first got one of the first nurseries to find the virus. They're also one of the first nurseries to put protocol in place. They're also one of the first nurseries to test for it and guarantee that the clones that come out of them are hop latent viral load free, man. That's why, again, that's why I think he's a genius, you know? That's part of this whole step of this thing, you know? It's like those protocols in place, what we're talking about. Okay, now we have great source getting clones out. Now we're talking about how are we gonna get seeds into production? That's the seed collective. That's part of what we're working on that to ramp it up to where, you know, what he asked me on part of one of our conversations. Now we've got to get it all to 30,000. Is that what you asked me, sir? We need to get them to 30,000 seeds. Is that what you said, right? Yeah, 30,000 seeds, right. I, I think a there's a backstock. I, I think that there's a great story. And, and I think the tissue culture. Why I need you. I think tissue culture is going to have an increased 
presence in the industry. I think that it's great for long-term plant storage. I think there's going to be emerging technologies around tissue culture. They're going to push the sophistication of it further. And, you know, if I were a tissue culture expert, I'd be able to speak more on it. But there's a great story about bananas that, like, I think in reflect how we look at clones and seeds and the entire genetic library of cannabis. And so, you know, in the 40s and 50s, there was kind of one banana cultivar that dominated the global market. It was called Gros Michel for Big Mike. Okay. And so Big Mike was being produced all over Southern America. It was bananas are a lot like cannabis to get a stable flavor, yield production that you want. It's a clonal propagation that's like promoted up and you can use conventional cloning or tissue culture, but an identic replica. And all of a sudden, all over South America and Panama, they started having this disease that really started affecting yields. And early on, they called it Panama disease. They hadn't yet identified what it was, much like we had to deal with the hops latent viroid. We call it dudding before we actually discovered what it was. And we were seeing this problem. And so Panama disease eventually was identified to become fusarium, which is a common plant pathogen. We, everyone knows about fusarium now. And in order to fix the problem, they couldn't use any of the plants that they were using all over the world to breed bananas because we'd all monocropped bananas with this Gromy shell. All the genetics were the same and there wasn't enough genetic diversity to create something that was fusarium resistant. And so they had to search the botanical gardens in India, the botanical gardens in Great Britain, and they had to combine genetics from all over the world in these recesses of like genetic libraries to recreate and breed with seeds something new and pheno hunt what is now the Cavendish and the dwarf Cavendish, which again, dominate two thirds of the world's banana population. So we're monocropping again in banana. We're doing the same thing in cannabis. Diversity is everything. And so seed preservation, isolating, you know, genetics and not corrupting them from what the outside trend. Don't take your special thing that you've had for 30 years and not introduce any other genetics. Don't take it and cross it with ice cream cake and wedding cake and something purple and gassy. You, you've absolutely corrupted your genetic line and you want to maintain that because... We haven't even scratched the surface. We don't even know what we're testing for. We, we're just talking with John McKay, uh, extractor and you know expert on molecules. He understands that right now we look at things so binary with THC and CBD, and we don't even have the technology to test THC for what it really is, which is dozens of different THC molecules. So right now we're all looking at things in this binary view, and it's going to be decades from now when we actually are able to look at what we even have and find out what the potentials are and the different effects they have. So preservation uh, is a huge component. Breeding is gonna be a huge component. And, and yeah, hanging on to what we have in every form, I feel is really critical. That, that's really important. And I really like that you brought it in with another agricultural crop because I personally feel that there's a lot of people who are breeding themselves into corners with a lot of the hype and exotic genetics, and they're actually hiring people to breed them back out of those corners. And I think it's incredibly important right now that we 
actually don't know what we're, we're even looking at in the plant. Like even in the past few months, they've just come out with research talking about the tryptophanic compounds in the leaves. And so we're always learning more things. I liked what you said earlier, Steve, about that we're not all, you know, the term master grower is so, you know, kind of, it's ridiculous to me too. I feel like somebody introduced me once like that and I was like, nah, nah, like I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner of this plant. And I know that, you know, Doc is a lifelong learner and we've all kind of got that. Um, and I think that there's such an important moment. We're at a pivotal moment in history where we fully, we don't fully understand the plant. You know, we, the plant has so many compounds. And when you look to like the research in Israel and the rare cannabinoids that we're kind of starting to find, and there are literally like canaflavins and the flavonoids. Like we're not even testing for a lot of this stuff when we're actually seeing that how the plant interacts with our, our body, you know, we don't fully know. And even beyond terpenes, there's just so much more to learn about this plant. And so I'd like to, you know, take a little bit of a round and see what you guys think, you know, maybe we could just do like a little bit of a closing round and we could all talk for a minute. Maybe I'd like to maybe any ideas you have around helping other cultivators to, you know, bring up their terpene levels or, you know, improve their yield, anything you want to throw out there to the community or future forward where you feel like things are headed, because we really don't know with this plant. And that's ultimately, you know, one thing that I feel like I can humbly admit is I don't fully understand the plant and I study it all the time and I keep studying and there's always a new research paper coming out. So with that in mind, you know, maybe we could just do a little round and talk about where we see things going based on where we're at and any advice to people out there. Okay, I got a really good tip. This is like how I changed my whole perspective on the plant is Google Scholar. So I went on Google Scholar and I set different cannabinoid terms, cannabis genetics, cannabis cultivation, cannabis Humboldt, cannabis microbiome. And I set Google Scholar to send me an email with a summary of all the stuff that's published using those terms in the peer reviewed journals. And then here's the really good tip. You can take that journal and whether it's open source or not, you can use Sci-Hub to crack it, and I'm not saying I do that, but I'm saying it's a very useful tool to get any kind of scientific publication you want um, without paying the enormous fees, because I think education should be free to everybody. Well, that was some free wisdom there from Daniel Hendricks. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? Like for the no? I could go on all day. Let's yeah, I know. Yeah, we could probably we off. could probably sit here all day until they come cut us off and talk about growing. How about you, Steve? Like, what about some future forward thinking or helping some advice for the for the audience? Uh, yeah, for any other cultivators out there, I think make sure you keep loving the plant, and uh, if you don't focus on the plant itself, instead of you know, uh, not it's not a one size fits all type of thing where you get this magic nutrient, you put the exact amount in it, and you're gonna have perfect success. You gotta stay uh, reading it, and just keep trying to learn what the plant itself has to teach you in your garden. I, I like that. That's, the, that's it in a nutshell, brother. I mean, if you don't listen to what she's telling you, you're never gonna get good at it, so. There's not a one trick fits anything. Everything is each, each genetic line is different. Each plant is different. They all, I have four different things that I'm working with right now that I work with, you know, and they're all different. 
If you don't listen to her, you're not going to get where you want to get with it. If we, we can't, we could give all of our little trip tips and tricks of how I fix bricks and you know create swell and make it richer and sweeter and all that. But if you don't listen, doesn't matter. So you got to listen to Mother Ganja first, because Mother, she don't listen to you. You got to listen to her, brothers and sisters, from the old man. So. Well, that's a that's a great piece of advice. I feel like I find. A lot of people don't actually listen to the plant. And, you know, I think that if people could say it's woo or whatever, but ultimately, you know, if you walk into a greenhouse, they've actually scientifically proven that the plants do communicate. They make a frequency emission when they're thirsty. So it's like a real thing that you actually are listening to the plants. So, you know, I think that there's no there's no bounds with what science is actually it's slowly proving everything we know and i think we have a little bit more time so actually i'd like to you know maybe just do one final um you know i'd like to projection i'd like a four like let's do a little crystal ball action i think that's really kind of i would love to hear where you guys think that cannabis cultivation will be because i foresee personally i see a lot of the future i see that there's going to be you know a lot more plant factories i kind of see indoor tending towards this more japanese plant factory model and that we're going to change the course of how we grow and i i think that i'd like to focus this question with the idea of sustainability in mind so you know in the future because a lot of the state legislations are we're, we're coming to a point with humanity and personally i feel like cannabis we could leave a legacy for future generations Cannabis can, I, I have a background with, with like organics and, you know, I'm not opposed to salt. Like I joke that I wouldn't have any friends if I didn't like have friends that were salt growers. Um, but personally, I prefer to smoke cannabis that was grown organically with living soil, sustainable. I teach permaculture, like that's my jam. And, and I personally prefer that so much more flavor profile wise, everything. But I also have had to learn how to do other things. I've had to learn hybrid systems. I've had to learn how to run with salt. I've learned all the different ways, but I feel like it's my preference. You know, I know that's what wins cups also is like the thing. So if you really care and you're really doing the right thing with your food, I think that's really the ticket and bringing the terps up. But I feel like we're getting to a point where we need more sustainability because no matter what, we are monocropping. Whether we're, you know, even the most organic, sustainable farm, essentially we're still monocropping if our primary crop is cannabis. And there is crossover with hemp for disease and pests. So I think we are becoming an agricultural commodity and we're going to need to start looking towards the future of how we can keep these diseases in check, how we keep the pests in check, how we keep genetic diversity in play. And so I'm very curious, you know, predictions for like the next one to five, even if you guys want to go crazy and go 10 years out, what do you see happening with the future of cannabis and cultivation? Doc, I want to start with you. Craft robotic farming. Ooh, the man said craft robotic farming. Okay, so so tell me about out. your your cultivation robots, Doc. Okay, well, okay. So I'm talking to some guys in Spain right now that do large scale rose production, and they're shifting into cannabis, and they do robotic rose production cultivation beautifully. But they're moving into our genetics. That's into our thread. That's what we're I'm talking to them about. So 
this is where it could be. I mean, what we do already is cutting edge from where it was 40 years ago. You know, I run closed loop aeroponic, high pressure aeroponic, you know, with gas and LEDs indoors, man. I use no soil, 70% less water, 70% less nutrients, 70% less labor, you know, and still do it all organically because of my nutrient regime that I work with. That, to me, I think, with water being critical is huge, you know. So I've tried to work in my realm, but in the same breath, cultivators have to improve and embrace technology as it comes out and over and over and over again. But, yeah, man, I mean, we're, I really believe robotics and scale on cultivation is something in the, coming in the next 20 years, 15 years, 5 years. Well, I love that. And personally, I'm such a huge fan of automation, like automating everything, automating our technology, automating. I mean, I've, we've run with Elipot for years. So, I mean, we've done, we could do like 80,000 seeds a day, makes the pots, does the thing. And for large scale nursery operations, it really, it makes a huge difference. So I'm excited. I mean, I used to be super anti-robot. My, my best friend when I was a teenager had a band called Robot Killer, but I've come around. I think, I think I'm cool with it now. <laughs> so, I mean, plants and robots, Robots is kind of like I guess that's kind of the direction blockchain. You know, what do you what do you guys think, Steve? Would you want to take a moment there and, and give us a little future projection? What oh, you see? I'm wrapping my head around the craft robot farmer still. That <laughs> we is might wild, all be scratching our heads for a while. It's certainly one. true that you know you've got to learn to be very efficient. You're going to need some degree of automation. It's pretty very hard to be successful without it, uh, considering the way the prices have fallen and everything. So. Uh, I guess it's interesting to see where it's all going to go. I kind of think genetics-wise, people are going to start seeking or already are starting to old-school flavors. Everybody's reminiscing about them, and I think we're getting sick of the same things crossed with the same things that makes the best-looking photo, but not necessarily the best and enjoyable smoke to have. And it's getting one-dimensional. So I, maybe I'm being hopeful, but I see it splitting back a little back towards the old-school stuff, and everyone's going to be uh, trying to get some actual variety, I think, eventually. I, I really love that because I, I'm like, I, I'm still waiting for the train wreck comeback personally. Like I'm like, bring back the train wreck or just bring back some of the old school. I'm, I'm a huge fan of like the, the old school hazes and a lot of those things are lower yielding. So it's a little bit hard for me to like justify running them in production, but I'm a huge fan and I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm hoping that's right. So we got robots and we got old school comeback. And then uh, I feel like, what do you think, Daniel? Okay, yeah, I, I, I just want to comment on that, too, that I really like the idea of us getting changing the genetics and taking control over that, because I, if, if there's a prediction that I see there around genetics and what types of genetics, it's how does the plant make you feel? Because I know that, like, a lot of us have started to look to our diet and say, what are we eating and how does it make us feel? And we've changed the way that we go and get the vegetables and the meats that we you know, choose to put in our bodies. And I think that that connects to the local like aspect of it. And I think that if there's a prediction I see for cannabis cultivation, it's the right to farm and that you'll see Hendrix tags in plants at your local nursery and you'll be able to buy it, you know, without restriction. I think it's the number one uh, hobby in America is home gardening and that who doesn't want to try growing a, a little ganja and so free the plant and, and, and fight your local, you know, 
whatever city council because it's uh, it's your right to farm and and it's the most restrictive component of the industry right now is that us licensed cultivators are getting all the fun uh, and you guys deserve that too so if you're a consumer you know fight for that right uh i i do you have a thought on that doc i want to hear okay so we all where we all started all of us started from we were growing home cultivation man we all started growing our own first for ourselves so i'm a big proponent of grow your own so that's all i'm just glad he said that yeah i want to say that too if I think that if people have issues when they start to do your legislation in your state, if it's not, I think that having a home grow ability for everybody, I think people should be able to grow their own medicine. I think it's incredibly, incredibly valuable and important. And I think that we really need to fight for that right and and do advocacy right by standing up having our voices heard and i feel like you know dale sky jones was here earlier on the panel and she's such an advocate for home grow and i i've had a vision on that note daniel that you know i i see plants in you know very commonly like and i do feel like that maybe autoflowers is a place where i see a prediction that autoflowers will be make home gardening much more accessible for people because they're so easy there's no photo period sensitivity and i could just easily see them on people's decks and patios and i you know something i'd like to see my personal perception of what i'd like to see in the future here and my little prediction is that i think cannabis has one of the most complex supply chains in the industry, like it just in general, we have such a complex supply chain. You know, things go from the breeder to the nursery. It gets third-party certification. We get, um, you know, from there it goes to a producer, and then from there we have, you know, lab testing. There's so many different places along the way, and then from there it goes to wholesale. It goes to distribution. It goes to the dispensary. The consumers get it. Sometimes it can go to processors and get processed into the next thing. I personally feel like we could teach the world a little bit about origin stories and about how how to actually track, like somebody could tell me this is what it is, but I, the only thing I'm, I'm just taking it at face value, you know? I'm like, okay, I trust Terps because it's doc, but there's no certification for me to actually know it is what it says it is. And so for me, I wanna start to see the future. I wanna see supply chain traceability for all things for humans, because I feel like we need to start caring a little bit more about sustainability and about farm and about local. And I want to know for sure it is what it says it is. You know, I, I believe that America's lost its way and the West has kind of lost its way with origin stories. And I think cannabis can teach us again to connect back to the source and there and we could use technology to storytell that application so that's my like hope and prediction for the future is we're going to start to get some transparency into supply chain and that hopefully we can train other industries is one of my hopes so I kind of think that we might be, I'm not sure time wise if we're like good to just keep wrapping but I kind of feel like does anybody have any closing words they want to like share something? Yeah, I love that. I mean, just, yeah, the supply or chain is that. overcomplicated. And I think your heirloom tomatoes at the farmer's market taste better because all the people that picked them and prepared them and even brought them down to the market loved their job a little bit more than the person that just was hired, you know, to 
pick per acre and then that got transferred onto a truck and they were in traffic and there's an energy around that and that like if we shorten the supply chain and you know you're able to actually consume something that was harvested fresh and processed fresh by the same person who grew it uh, you might just see a little bit more love in the plant and I'm sure that like you know producers can get the plant to you a lot faster if they don't have so many hoops to jump through. So we do need to reduce the complexity, you know, in our California supply chain. And I think we can take control over that as citizens. So uh, it's all right to change those things. Yeah. And, you know, you, you help me kind of you bring a couple points up for me because I feel like, you know, we are required by the state and bylaw to use the CTS system, which is the cannabis tracking system. But personally, I feel like even with their RFID tags and, you know, we tag the plants and we tag the product, but I still feel like the supply chain traceability is kind of a missing link. And so I think that bringing it back, I was super thrilled with California being able to have a uh, you know, a farm to table option for people, for farmers, connecting farmers to consumers, whether it's indoor, outdoor, greenhouse, however, is so important. And to be able to have that interaction is, you know, it's kind of a missing link with cannabis right now. And I think we really need to take back, uh, like the, there needs to be a little bit of roots coming up. And also I feel that, you know, sustainability in general really needs to be kind of brought to the forefront because, you know, most people I know don't actually know the impact of the type of agriculture they they do and what it has on the local community. And, you know, same with extraction, all these other things like when we're growing at scale, because we really are now growing at scale agricultural crop, I feel like we need to start looking towards what impact that has on the environment. And, you know, I believe in Oregon, it's like over 50% of the electricity is used for indoor cultivation. And as more states come online, we're going to be faced with more and more queries around how to grow cannabis sustainably and ethically, especially when it comes to indoor electricity use. And I think that there will also be a lot more LED and that's kind of the plant factory vision. So I feel like, I feel like we need to really start to change the way the conversation goes because when federal legalization comes down the pipe it's up to us as cultivators and as the cannabis community to actually have a voice collectively otherwise we're handing that voice over to big tobacco big alcohol the pharmaceutical companies and if there's any way for like the legacy the legacy community or the you know roots cannabis community to actually have a voice. It's as if we can bond together and have a collective voice that's going to impact federal legalization and advocating for things like home grow or more sustainability. So really, the next couple years, I also predict it's time for us to like rise up our voices is really important. So if anybody wants to add anything to that, that's kind of how I feel about it. Okay. Yeah, here, here. Okay, cool. I think we're, I think we're a wrap. Thanks, everybody. That's awesome. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Talk 101 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 